This is the Assumption Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Assumption Church is a Roman Catholic community under the care of the Franciscan Friars Conventual of Our Lady of Angels Province. It is a community of faith which is active in service and its ministries bring the gospel message of peace, reconciliation, and love to Syracuse and all of Central New York. Your glory here among us. Great is our hope. There's a weird sentence in this gospel today that kind of stood out to me. We have here a scene where John the Baptist sees Jesus, says this is the Lamb of God. People start following him and how they follow him, yada, yada, yada. But in the middle of it, it says, and it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. And I remember thinking, why the heck are they telling us that? Who cares that it was 4 o'clock in the afternoon? How does that add to the story? But there it is, standing there. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So being the curious kind of guy that I am, I had to research it and find out, what does this mean? Well, funny enough, it means a lot of things depending on who you ask. But there's two main trains of thought about the meaning of it. So in the original language, it was written not 4 o'clock in the afternoon, but at the 10th hour. At the 10th hour. Now, at the time of Jesus, people counted time in two different ways. You thought daylight savings time was hard? Try two different systems at the same time. So the Romans were occupying Palestine, and they used their own system, which is the 24-hour system. Uh, the tw- yeah, 24-hour system. So at the 10th hour means 10 a.m. The Jews used a 12-hour cal- um, clock. And so at the 10th hour would mean 4 p.m. Which one are they talking about? And there are different theories. Some scripture scholars, theologians say that it's the Roman time, 10 o'clock in the morning, and they mention it out loud like that in the passage to say to us that the disciples had all day to spend with Jesus. Other scripture scholars say it's the Jewish time because 4 o'clock is the time that you would traditionally prepare the lamb for the evening sacrifice. And remember, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the disciples go with him at 4 o'clock when you prepare the Lamb. Our translation, the one officially approved for use in the United States, uses the Jewish interpretation. Perhaps as a church, we feel that is the more accurate symbolic language. Because John is all about language. The reason I point this out today is because when we think of the Bible and when we think of Scripture in general, we think of it as a static reality, a static teaching that is very clear, historical, divinely revealed, the Word of God, and what it is is what it is. But here we have an example that shows us 
that reading the Bible and understanding the Bible are not the same thing. We can read the Bible for our own prayer, our own reflection, to nurture ourselves. But when you want to really understand, it takes training and scholarship. It takes a lot more. As a church, we believe that the Word of God is truly the Word of God. It is truly divinely revealed, and it is the truth. But not all truth comes to us in the same way. First of all, the Bible is not a book. The Bible is a compilation of 73 books. Some of them are community recollections and imaginations about how the world began. So the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve, who was there to write everything down? Nobody. Well, how do we know it? Well, over time, the Jewish people and certain leaders of the people were inspired to understand how the world was created. They actually borrowed language, archetypes, myths from other cultures to tell the truth, the truth of God. But I wouldn't count on the world being created in seven days. We know that's not true. The truth of Genesis is that God purposely, intentionally, lovingly created the world and all things belong to God. Whether it was seven days or seven billion years, that's not the point. The Bible also contains poetry and songs like the psalm. The reason we don't read the psalm at Mass, we sing it, is because it's a song. It'd be like standing there reading lyrics without the music. It doesn't make sense. The Bible has passages that are rules, prophecies, recipes. Not everything is the same. And most of the stuff is not historical the way we understand history. It has come through the experience, the history, the lenses of the people. So what? So we have to be careful when people say to us, it's in the Bible. You can prove anything with the Bible. We as Catholics do not rely only on the Bible. The Bible is critical. Ignorance of the Scriptures is ignorance of Christ. We have to be people grounded in the Bible. That's why every Mass has multiple readings from the Bible. Remember, before Vatican II, that was not the case. There were very limited readings, and it was always the same readings. We have a much richer use of Scripture now. But we as Catholics also have what we call tradition. Not small-t tradition like getting ashes on your head or blessing yourselves when you walk by a church or visiting seven churches on Holy Thursday. Those are small-t traditions. We have big T tradition, which means the collective wisdom of the community and how it interprets Scripture and lives the faith. We're not new of this. We've been around as a church for a long time. For the Catholic Church, this pandemic is not unprecedented. 
We've lived through it before as a community. We know what to do. As a church, we have 2,000 years of people living the Scriptures, reflecting on the Scriptures, studying the Scriptures, and debating them. Councils of the church were held where people fought, physically fought, argued, debated. People with minds that are much greater than ours argued over stuff. That's why we have a creed and beliefs. All this to say that we as Catholics have a rich tradition of Scripture and tradition that help us understand so that when we see something that says, four o'clock in the afternoon, we realize, oh, there's a couple of different opinions about what that means. It's not all the same. And as teaching develops, we realize not everything is immutable. But in our day and age, I've been struck by how some people are taking it upon themselves to go out on their own with their own teaching and leaving Holy Mother Church and leaving the wisdom of the community. I've had people say to me, I'm not taking the coronavirus vaccine. I don't care what the Pope says. Some of people have hesitation because some of the vaccines have a very distant relationship to a fetus that was terminated and whose cells were used for vaccine production. And I was talking about this to somebody recently, and they were like, the vaccine has this. And I was like, well, which vaccine? Well, I don't know, all the vaccines. No. The Catholic Church has spoken out. The Academy of Life, the Pontifical Academy of Life, the Holy Father has spoken out and said, First of all, not all vaccines have this. And those vaccines, the few that do have a connection to that, it is so distant that in this situation, it is morally ethical for people to use those vaccines. Well, I don't care what the Pope says. I'm not taking it. When we say things like, I don't care what the Pope says. I'm not doing it. We are no longer Catholic. We are becoming cafeteria Catholics. And these are very traditional, conservative people who are saying that to their great shame. We're either Catholic or we're not. It doesn't mean we can't disagree. It doesn't mean that we can't have different thoughts. But we're meant to walk together. My ideas are mine, but I have to trust that we as a collective, as a community, have a richer wisdom. And yes, I always have the choice of making a decision of conscience. My conscience is always primary. I have to follow my conscience. But it's very dangerous to go out on our own and to leave the church and to leave the Holy Father. I've heard the same kind of arguments about the death penalty. Well, the Pope's wrong. You know, you have to be very careful with that. Those are words that should not easily come out of our mouth. The Pope's wrong. You're kind of on the wrong side of the, you know, the aisle then. Or about, you know, the big thing I hear sometimes is, 
what the Pope said about gay people and getting married and having families and this and that. Well, have we actually read what the Pope said? He said that gay people have a right to family. It's a very, very clear message, but sometimes it gets misinterpreted. My point is, as consumers of information, as people who are trying to live our faith, we have to be careful not to be misled by things we see on the internet, articles we read in magazines, that perhaps don't capture the full story. And when we are uncertain, we ought to trust the church. We ought to trust our community of faith that for 2,000 years has used reason, logic, philosophy, theology, the sciences, and faith to come to understanding. More than ever these days, we need to be people who are proud of our Catholic tradition that welcomes everyone, that is much broader than some people with very narrow minds want to make it. The church is rich and God's mercy is abundant. We need to trust it. And we need to be formed by our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why hopefully we're all here today, to be fed by the Lord directly into our hearts, that he might strengthen us to know his will and to do it. Thanks for listening to the Assumption Church Podcast. To listen to more episodes, connect with us in our community, or join us for worship, please visit assumptionsyr.org.